Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, McGuire, 62 home runs, 131 RBI. Oh! In the left center field. Is it enough? At the track, at the wall, 63 for Big Mac. 1 0 count, two down. Sosa waiting. Swing on! Deep Bart McGuire! You got company! 63! Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. It is The Score's venerable baseball show. Venerable, not vulnerable. Hit and run on a Sunday morning here on The Score. And let's talk about the 90s, shall we? And it's not just the 90s, but you heard echoes of 98 right in there. And there's a new podcast called Crushed, a podcast from Religion of Sports and PRX that deals with Major League Baseball's steroids era and tries to reckon with the whole damn thing. And the host of that is Joan Neeson, who joins us right now on the Alpamani Nissan Hotline. How about that? Neeson on the Nissan Hotline. They, I, I bet they must love that. Um, you can go to apnissan.com. Joan Neeson is very different than that, but she joins us now on the hotline here on The Score. Joan, thank you for the time. Congrats on the podcast, and hope you're uh, you're enjoying Reckoning with Steroids. So if you got it all figured out, do we have it dialed in now? We know exactly what happened and what the cost has been to humans and to baseball alike. We're done, right? You figured it out. <laughs> I would say I have nothing figured out. Um, that is that is the beauty of baseball steroid era is even now, you know, all these years later, there's still so, so many different opinions and so much we don't know. And I, I think I figured a few things out, but there's still a lot left to be learned, I'd say. Well, we lived this. I, I lived it. Um, I know you lived it as a fan before you were a journalist. What what have you what have you gained um, in, in going into it and how has it affected how much you loved that era as a fan. You know, I don't think it's affected how much I loved that time. I was, I was a kid, I was 10. Um, and I think I already had sort of reckoned with that a bit, you know, just over the years, I've always, I, I still love baseball. It's, it's my favorite sport. Um, and I'd done a lot of thinking about this before I started working on the podcast. And, um, 
had basically come to the conclusion that, you know what, like I was a kid, I had a lot of fun and like those memories are really important to me. And so I'm going to, you know, that's just, that can't change. Mm -hmm. But I think it has, I think, you know, reporting the podcast made me think about all this in ways I had never thought about it before in, in ways that went beyond just, you know, what was it like for the superstars, the Sammy Sosa's, the Mark McGuire's, the Barry Bonds and, how did this time sort of affect the players that I'd never heard of the players that I barely gave a passing thought, because that is, you know, the majority of people in baseball, minor leagues, major leagues, you know, most guys aren't celebrities. They aren't superstars and how big the minor leagues are. And um, that was my biggest takeaway from all of this, that this, this, story was a lot bigger than I'd realized. You, uh, I saw the tweet about the current episode, episode three that's out there, Crushed, uh, the podcast from Religion of Sports and PRX, where you talk to uh, a, a couple of folks who used steroids, two men who used it, but neither were superstars. One never made the majors. And that's fascinating to me because those are kind of the everyday faces that you don't really think about in terms of this. But of course they were tempted and tried and, and one of them didn't even get there. That's fascinating. What, what did you take away from those conversations? Yeah, you know, my, my biggest takeaway was that you just said the word tempted. I think that's a very, you know, a very apt word for this conversation. Guys were tempted and they also felt somewhat forced. And now whether that is an authentic feeling and whether, you know, they fully grasped how many players were using and how much they had to to get ahead, I don't know. But there was a very much of a feeling back then that, you know, lots of my teammates are loose, are using and they're they're passing me by. Um, guys who are less talented than I am are passing me by. Again, I'm seeing them use steroids. I don't know what to do. I have to feed my family. I have to make it to the majors so that I can make a paycheck that'll, you know, be more than the really pathetic amount that minor leaguers make. And um, that was really, really interesting to me because, you know, we think of that time and we think of the big name guys, you know, sitting in front of Congress, refusing to tell the truth about steroids. And we think of, you know, Mark McGuire's apology and Barry Bonds in the Balco case, but that's like a percentage of a percentage of a percentage of all of the guys playing at the time. And, that to me is is really fascinating. Just how much this trickled down um, to lower levels of baseball and really shaped the sport as a whole. Mm. And, and and it it trickled down all the way to high schools, didn't it? Like there were, I know that there are some guys who eventually made the majors who may have been using their entire lives. So like I I, I wonder if any of the any of the players feel a sense of responsibility in terms of having modeled that for so many young players on their way up. You know, that was a big theme of the congressional hearings that were held in two thousand five about um steroids when Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, um Kurt Schilling, Rafael Palmero, Frank Thomas, um and who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting one guy I think who went into Congress along with baseball leadership and testified, you know, about the steroid era. There wasn't a lot of truth that came out that day, but a big focus was that these guys were role models and what were they showing kids? I take a bit of an issue with the athletes as role models concepts, just because like, I don't have kids, but if, and when I do, I don't think that necessarily I want them just blindly looking up to athletes. And there's a lot of people in society I'd, I'd rather them look, look, look up to. There's a lot of great athletes out there. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of blame laid at these guys' feet. And I think it is fair. I think kids do watch what these guys are doing and think it's, it's a key to, to success. Um, at the same time, I also feel like that conversation, like, yeah, steroids, they're not great. They're, kids certainly should not be taking them. They are detrimental to children's health. 
still a worse behavior that athletes are modeling out there, in my opinion. And um, I think the conversation reached a bit of hyperbole when it came to steroids and kids. Well, speaking of role models, I think Kurt Schilling was the other guy that you were uh, right. not not remembering. So there's yeah, there's another quality uh, role model option um, out there. Talking to Joe Neeson, um, who hosts the podcast Crushed from Religion of Sports and PRX. What what was driving it? For these guys, it's what's interesting is that the analytics now, which say that the home run is king, um, that was not the driver there as much because analytics wasn't quite king um, then. So, like, I wonder how much of it was being driven by ego, being driven by by money. I mean, why why was everybody everybody doing it? You think? It's a great question, and you know, I think ego is certainly at the core of it, and maybe plants the seed for like the first guy who used steroids in baseball but if you look back to sort of the beginning of all this I don't want to say that these guys were the first to use steroids because we don't know but a lot of people point to Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco on the A's um, in the late 80s and early 90s and the Bash Brothers and they were this total outgrowth of this like muscle man culture in America and you know like Rocky and Rambo and all those like 80s movies we think of where it's like kill punch you know these big muscular men uh, Hmm. Terminator And we talked a little bit about that in episode two and how sort of the Bash Brothers were an outgrowth of that sort of cultural phenomenon, I would say. And I think some of that is sort of where steroids are rooted, too, um, in just this idea of power. I mean, it's really interesting. Before the late 80s, early 90s, baseball players weren't allowed to lift weights. Most teams did not want their players lifting weights. And then they kind of figured out guys started lifting weights. They started taking steroids and they kind of figured out wow, this actually won't slow my bat speed down. This won't do all the things that baseball had said it would do, that bulking up was bad. You can bulk up and still be really, really good. Yeah, it's interesting. It is just, it's that idea of of masculinity um, and in, in that particular realm of masculinity. My, my My take on it has always been, Joan, that Barry Bonds watched all the love that those guys got in the late nineties and thought, man, those guys couldn't hold my jock as a player, mm-hmm. you know? And then he immediately tried and ended up joining them. So I bet that was a driver along the way too. It was guys who were like, man, I'm good enough or I'm better, but these guys are getting love. That's ridiculous. Right. That, that kind of internal competition probably started to take hold. Totally. These guys are, I mean, pro athletes are the most competitive people in the world. And I, I totally understand that compulsion to look around and say, I want to be that good. And with Barry Bonds, yeah, I think I've heard a lot of stories about, you know, him watching the home run race and thinking, well, you know, I can, I can do that if I took steroids. And, um, you know, because mm-hmm. at that point it was a pretty open secret. We, You know, in, in clubhouses, guys knew the other guys were using. And the Bonds thing really does make me sad because, you know, I don't know that Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa, and we obviously don't know the logistics of Sammy Sosa. He's never admitted to using steroids, but there's a general assumption that he did. We don't know if those guys would be Hall of Famers without without steroids. Um, Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer if he'd never taken a single shot. And that's the part that really kind of makes me sad is that, you know, this guy was the best of his generation and now we're not going to remember him that way. Yeah, no, it, it gets gets thoroughly tainted by the by the second half of of the career. Really, the last third of the career is, mm-hmm. is, is what it is. All right. Speaking of the open secret. I'm personally fascinated by this moment where somebody looks over McGuire's shoulder and sees Androstein Dion in the locker. I I remember being a kid and being like, what is Androstein Dion? And does that explain his shoulders? You know, trying to sort of put all mm-hmm. that together in my head. Does that 
I mean, that, that kind of an emblem of the open secret when he was comfortable just having that stuff in the locker, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, the whole Andrew controversy is fascinating to me. I, as a kid, also remember reading those news stories and figuring out how to pronounce that very long word. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the time, the coverage was very, um, there was a backlash to the story about Anderson Dion, which was a steroid precursor and is now banned in all pro sports, but at the time was legal. A lot of people said, this is legal. Who cares if he uses it? And um, that's what's really interesting to me in terms of the open secret. I had a player tell me, and this is in episode two, that, you know, Andro was a front is what he thought. A lot of people believe that if a guy was taking Andro, that was sort of a signal that he was also taking anabolic steroids. It sort of worked in conjunction. And obviously there were guys who took Andro and didn't take steroids, but I think that was sort of a trend. And one player told me, you know, Andrew was the thing that Mark McGuire could leave in his locker and could have someone spot because it was legal. And then that sort of sowed the seed in people's minds. Well, maybe this is helping him. Maybe this is why he's so big. It's this supplement. It's this workout aid. And it's, it's totally legal. So go for it which I find really interesting. Hmm. Joan, as we, as we sit here now, I, I always thought that the users were going to be ahead of the testers. And I remember that narrative along the way. And, and now with the testing as pervasive it is, I wonder if they're just really good at designing and using, or if baseball really has this realm of performance enhancement under control. Do you have a feel for that? You know, I have some thoughts on that. I think we'll never really know. I do agree that, like, it's the, the science of steroids is always one step ahead of the testing program. I mean, you just look, Barry Bonds never failed a steroid test because the steroids he was getting from Balco were so advanced that they didn't, tests did not trigger them. They didn't know what to look for. And I think that's definitely, you know, there's always someone trying something new. Um, I mean, it's evidenced by the fact that guys are still getting pops for steroid use, like a Robinson Cano, and, you know, I would imagine he thought that whatever he took was not going to pop up on a test. Why else would he take it? Um, but yeah, I think baseball steroid testing policy. I, I talked recently with Jeff Nowitzki, who was kind of the guy who initiated the Balco case, the, mm-hmm. the investigation into Barry Bonds and steroid use. And he is now he now runs UFC's um, drug testing program. Wow. UFC decided it wanted to crack down on on performance enhancing drugs after years of not doing that. And um, Jeff is, is really well-versed in, in all of this and the drug testing. And he says that he thinks baseball is among the best, if not the best, the gold standard in, in sports. And they are, they're, they're finding nanogram amounts in people's bloodstream. People are getting suspended for almost levels of steroid that might indicate that something they took a tainted supplement at this point, they're getting suspended for such a little amount that baseball is really on this. And I think probably some stuff gets by now and again, but the vast majority of stuff is caught. It's a seven-part narrative podcast series, Crushed, from Religion of Sports and PRX. You can find it um, everywhere where podcasts uh, are, are, are available, right? People use them a bunch of different ways. I bet you're in all those spots, Joan. <laughs> we are. I, I, Apple, Spotify, and then everything else I don't know much about. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. You got it. That's Joan Neeson. She's the host of Crushed. Check it out um, from Religion of Sports and PRX. It is hit and run here on 670 The Score, leading you up to noon when Rami Makhlouf is coming in here. Is he going to be in here? Physically in here? So I got to clean up the station and like do the whole thing and try to be a good colleague. Driving from Milwaukee. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you know, it's funny. I've worked with Rami a bunch, and this is pandemic logic, pandemic reality. I've never physically met the man. So we'll do that today.
Um, but before that, Blue Pits from all around the big leagues is next on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Now a little bloop single and the Cubs can take the lead. Bloop hits. Rizzo hits a little pop fly shallow left center. Turner going out. That ball is going to be a base hit. Coming in to score is Martin. Rizzo falls down. He's in a rundown between first and second. Rizzo gets tagged out, but the Cubs take the lead. Blue Pits with Matt Spiegel on hit and run. See, what happens is during the course of the week, I see stuff I think is cool. I write it down and we don't get to it. So let's get to them every week during Blue Pits. Nuggets. You ought to know from around MLB here on Hit and Run. Your first blue pit. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the bloop? <laughs> but um, it sounds like something that's underwater. Sean, I love the open. I enjoy the open. I enjoy you. I'm enjoying the music. But uh, <laughs> all right. We'll talk after the show. We'll talk about it after the show. Your first blue pit, the absurd Cincinnati Reds team offense. Last week, they scored 25 runs in 24 hours. They've had seven games at home before yesterday. They scored 67 runs in those games. Ten runs per game in their first seven games at home. The most since the Boston Bean Eaters in 1903. The Boston Bean Eaters. They had a seven-run rally Friday, two six-run rallies in April's first week, two five-run innings. They're outrageous. They're not that good, but it's happening right now. That's your first blue pit. All right, here's your next one. There's the hit, and then we got a little bloop. We'll go into those two things together. We'll get them with the hit and the... That, see? Imagine them together, if you will. Could be fun. It floats into center field, just like that. The best player you're not watching enough is Jazz Chisholm. Super fast, 
electric blue hair, really, really fun, lots of skill. Big homer off Jacob deGrom a week ago, you might have seen. But do you see, did you see this number? You know, they measure the barreled balls, the number of balls that hitters are hitting off the barrel of the bat. They can measure that these days. Jazz Chisholm is in the 100th percentile of barreled balls. Here are the guys who have barreled baseballs as much as Jazz Chisholm. Short, little, electric, fast, blue-haired rookie for the Marlins. Shohei Otani, Nelson Cruz, Rafael Devers, Ronald Acuna Jr. Thus ends the list. I'm a sucker for the speed-power combo. Jazz Chisholm, a tantalizing new entry so far. See? The hit and the bloop together. Williams Astudio is such a pleasure. He's charmingly chubby, like Pablo Sandoval, or dare I say, your mean Mercedes. Williams, uh, nickname is La Tortuga, the turtle. He's a terrific contact hitter. He's not a power fiend. He's surprisingly agile, and we love guys like that. Friday, though, did you see he was a pitcher? In a 10-3 game, Williams Astudio got in the game. He had a seven-pitch inning, got three outs. He hit 59 miles per hour, 51 miles per hour, and 72 and a half miles per hour. Must have let that one rip. Woo! Woo! But my favorite, he threw a 46-mile-an-hour EFAS pitch right down the pipe for a strike. 46? Zach Greinke's like, whew, man, that's impressive. Williams asked to do, is there anything he can't do? The answer is no. Our next blue pit, uh, Yadier Molina has an OPS of almost nine. He's still hitting, folks. I know he's old. He's still a leader, still uh, important, and still hitting. He's got four home runs after two of them yesterday. Only seven catchers have ever had a multi-home run game at an older age than Yadier Molina. Think about it. The category is old catchers. Who've had power older than Yadier Molina. Who are they? Jorge Posada was a catcher older than Molina with at least a two-homer game. Lance Parrish. Oh, I knew there was a reason to come in today. I got to mention Lance Parrish's name. Ernie Lombardi. Rick Dempsey. Henry Blanco. Hank White gets on that list somehow. And then Carlton Fisk, who did this six times. Six times! A reminder that Carlton Fisk was unbelievably good for a long, long time. All right, and one more blue pit for you. Byron Buxton is that dude right now. Byron Buxton is one of my favorite players in the game, has always been incredibly athletic, crazy, crazy fast. But the transformation that has happened to Buxton now over the past year and a half ago reminds me of the transformation that happened with Tim Anderson. Like I was talking about it with Ellis Burks earlier in the show. Buxton stopped sitting fastball and trying to adjust to off speed. Now, he says, quote, I'll sit on breaking pitches. I'm starting to realize how quick my hands are to react to fastballs. Once you get to that point, it's pretty scary. Byron Buxton hit 219 off breaking balls from 2015 to 2019. Chased sliders in the dirt. But last season, 
He hit 356 off breaking balls with an 844 slugging percentage off breaking balls. It's insane. And now he is hitting the ball as hard as anybody in baseball. In terms of the power-speed combo, the three guys who are hitting the ball the hardest, who are also running the fastest, are Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Byron Buxton. Those are the three best power-speed combo guys going in all of baseball right now, and that includes Mookie Betts. It includes anybody else, Fernando Tatis, anybody else you might want to think of. Power-speed right now, it's Trout, it's Acuna, and it's Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins. All right, so those are them. Those are your blue pits from around baseball. (laughs) We bloop our way through hit and run here on the score. One more segment to come. We are open if you want to talk at 312-644-6767. Are you believing that Cubs offensive breakout yesterday? What are you expecting from Kyle Hendricks tonight on national TV? And I told you I need to talk about this. The inability of Major League Baseball to allow you to watch your favorite team play. It remains frustrating. We'll talk about it next as we lead up to Rami Makhlouf at noon right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Look, first and foremost, um, the segment is called Bloop Hits, not Blue Pits. I'm not against Blue Pits, but I don't even know what they are. What about blueprints? No, Maybe, no. Blueprints. You know, do like a whole story, how they built the team. No. Bullpen. Although, uh, yeah, no. Blueprints. Uh, I like the blueprints. I like that guy. He's good. He's part of a great children's book, The King Who Reigned. You ever, see the, you ever read The King Who Reigned? It's got a picture of a king with all this rain coming down. It's absolutely true. Nice. Yeah. Um, Fred Gwynn, Herman Monster, wrote that book. Tony? But, yeah. Yeah, no, not Tony or Chris, for that matter. But look, now I'm just incredibly distracted. How dare you, everybody? It's me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Baseball needs to help people see their favorite team's games. This continues to be an issue every year. It is still horrific. The blackout rules are still awful. Heard from a listener earlier, lives in Virginia, Loves the Cubs, watches them on MLB TV, pays for MLB TV, which I think is up to, what, 250 bucks a year? Something like that. I know I pay it so I can see every possible game. In Virginia, he can't watch the Cubs tonight because uh, it's, the Braves are blacked out. If you live in Iowa, and I know some of you do, you are blacked out on MLB TV from the Cubs, the Royals, the Twins, the White Sox, the Brewers, and the Cardinals. This is one of the dumbest things ever and has existed for like 15 years. It just keeps going and going and going. If you live in Vegas, you live in Vegas, you can't watch the Arizona Diamondbacks, the L.A. Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, the L.A. Angels, the Oakland A's, and the San Francisco Giants. You can't watch any of those teams via MLB blackout rules. Just absolutely ridiculous. Northwest Illinois gets blacked out from Royals games, says a texture. Really? It's just, it's crazy. 
And we know it's obviously the RSNs, it's the regional sports networks clashing with cable and the satellite and the streaming providers and those battles that go on. But it's the MLB blackout rules that are just just completely outrageous. And depending on if you're a Dish Network person or you're with some of these other cord-cutting services, you know you have your troubles. But the MLB TV one is the one that just it, it just needs to stop. It's ridiculous. There's, there's Cardinals fans in Columbia, Missouri that can't watch the Cardinals, you know, because of, of the providers. There's still loads of people in L.A. who can't watch the Dodgers. And it's just as we're doing all these different dances to try and get people to watch the games more, to try and build the game, to try and speed it up and all of that stuff. Maybe it would be really beneficial to just make sure that fans could watch their favorite team at all times from anywhere. It'd be really good. I know it's a difficult financial model because of the volume of games, the volume of games that every team has. But it's just... It needs to be dealt with because I hear from people constantly every week on this show and often in between because they know that I've cared about this. That it's just it's just absolutely brutal. And we had a caller, John, call in and said that every West Coast game in Hawaii is blacked out. So if you're in Hawaii, you can't watch a single West Coast game. It's amazing because they want you to somehow... They they want you to yell at your cable provider out there so you get those Mariners games in Hawaii. And they want the Mariners RSN to fight with the cable people. It's just, oh, God, just, just crazy. <sighs> Come on, MLB. Come on, Mr. Manfred. Step up and take care of that one. Just fix that one. If you can. This is Jordan in Vernon Hills on 670 The Score. Hello, Jordan. You're on Hit and Run. Hey, um, so I, I bought this MLB app thinking I could watch all these games. And like half the games are blacked out even though I paid for the service. So I just canceled it. The MLB uh, app? Well, see, see, I don't know. It's uh, really the, You bought MLB TV you're talking about? MLB TV, yeah. Yeah. And 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 a, a lot of your games end up being blacked out. Probably not half of them. It, it, see, there's a map. No, well, I, half is kind of an exaggeration, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it, it is like a lot of the games. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch this Red Sox game, and nope. Well, it, it depends on who they're playing and what the map says about both those teams of who you're playing. And I know Jordan was in Vernon Hills, so I'm not sure what he's trying to watch. But yeah, I mean, if if you're local. If you're local, you can't. This is Beck in St. Charles. Beck, you're on the score. Hello. Uh, yeah, I just want to touch base, say the same, same thing. You know, you're making a great point. And I have streaming services, and you you can't get, you know, Comcast Sports, uh, Chicago Comcast, or Marquee on, like, on like you, uh, on not YouTube TV, but, like, Sling TV. And so I got this MLB Network, and they have some free games on there, but I can't watch Cubs or Stock. And even, like, with the Marquee Network, I'd pay like 30, 40 bucks a month just for that app, but you can't even pay for it unless you have a Comcast or, or a cable or dish or, or the dish network. So yeah. it is pretty frustrating that, you know, 
And so and then I end up listening to him on the radio, which is great. It's great, too, but I like to watch him, too, you know? Yeah, no, I understand. And and depending on where you are, you end up on the radio. I, I listened to... Uh, to Pat and Ron a lot yesterday and absolutely loved it. And this is MLB offers that to you on that MLB at bat app or otherwise. You can listen to the radio calls from just about anywhere. These days, if you're within the Chicago city limits, you can use your Odyssey app, how you're listening to 670 the score right now, perhaps, and listen to the Cubs game right there. But TV remains uh, a deep, deep challenge for the league and for the providers. And it, the power, I, 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 I mean, the cable companies are freaking gangsters, man. They are absolute gangsters, and they're they're happy to hold fans hostage. They're just they're happy to do it because they don't believe that enough people are going to leave to damage them, man. But and and in the end, they're probably right. Boy, there's an incredible amount of people talking about how they stream illegally. I mean, this is the volume of people who are doing this with ExpressVPN, those kind of things, or people on the Reddit streams. I don't know if those Reddit streams have been shut down or not. They have been. Uh, a lot of them, the NHL site was stru- uh, shut down, the NFL one, MLB. Uh, they, they really cracked down on those, but there's other sites that, that you can find. They've created now other sites that just pool all of these together, and you can go to one site, and you can be like, I want to watch basketball. I want to watch baseball, yeah. football. And then you can pull up like the home feed or away feed of anyone for free. It's, it, it's crazy. So this entire like black market is out there and existing, but it's all for free. It does not have the push button control of your remote, right? In terms of going from game to game, you have to lock in on one specific game. Whereas I'm addicted to multitasking and multi-game watching. Yeah, and as from what I've heard, definitely not from firsthand experience. You also have like a 15 second delay. So you know, you could if you're on Twitter, Lamont Pope's going to beat you, being like, "Oh, Jose Abreu just knocked in a, a an RBI in a single," right. and then 15 seconds later, I'm going to see that single. Yeah, and, and so and so it defeats the the multitasking of that. That and defeats the 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 ride share nature <laughs> nature of uh, of watching something along with uh, social and it's just it's it's crazy it's just so complicated coke so complicated to, to do it texters are saying that Fubo TV has marquee network we do know this that specifically if you are a cord cutter and want to get marquee, Fubo TV has it. But some of these illegal websites, they'll get shut down and another one will pop up just in a matter of moments. But that is not healthy. And you can't, you can't bitch about um, viewership and the game not appealing to quite as many people when you're not even making it available to people. You can't do both of those things at the same time. That's, that's the number one problem facing the game. Number two is the absurd four to five hour game with like six hits. <laughs> like, like, like the Cubs played the other day, you know, it's just, it's such a tough watch. Friday afternoon was one. It was just four, four and a half hours, six hits can be tough to hang with 670 the score is where you are it is hit and run Tony La Russa was talking about his bullpen yesterday and before the White Sox get going here in a few minutes I want to hear Tony La Russa talking about um, that bullpen because he ended up using Jose Ruiz after Cody Hoyer and Ruiz made things a lot worse quickly 
Um, here's Tony first talking about Jose Ruiz and his skill set. No, I mean, you know, he had he to walk two guys. I mean, um, and the one pitch, you know, he got to Bogart. He made a real good slider to get a strike, and then he hung one. In fact, we, that's one thing about the game of day. We had a tough time uh, when we had the, the account in our favor. We made, you know, made a bunch of mistakes in the middle of the plate. So I just think, uh, you know, then he got, you know, he just, he just a couple walks there. You know, that's not what he was trying to do. Oh, God. I can't, I can't hear Tony without thinking of Johnny Cash anymore. I just can't. Chris Tannehill in the afternoon show, Parkinson Spiegel. The lineups in today just, they just go together. All right, here's Tony LaRusso talking about the bullpen. Even though Ruiz did a poor job yesterday and failed, and the bullpen has lost a whole bunch of leads, um, Tony still believes that the bullpen is the strength of the team. Tony, you've been uh, defensive of your bullpen and uh, pointed out the reasons why. Uh, today's an, another day where it kind of got away there. Uh, you still feel the same way or are you satisfied with uh with the effort by Hoyer and well, Hoyer. I mean, what do you do when he first came in? I mean, let's pay attention to what happened. What do you huh? do this first inning? Fuck out the side. So Fuck out the side. You know, and then he he got a pitch up, and the guy tomahawked it, and and then at that point, you know, I think he got, uh, you know, he made a couple mistakes and then put them in the middle of the plate, being a human being, not a machine. And, but no, I have, I have not changed my mind at all about the bullpen. I just think you know when you get beat. You know, you get beat as a team. I'm, I'm sure offense feels like they scored two and we didn't point. We missed a couple of opportunities to add points there. And well, we, we didn't have a good defensive game. So uh, I just think a bullpen is a strength of our, one of the strengths of our club. There's no doubt in my mind. That's Tony LaRusso. Look, I agree with him that there was a lot of reasons that the White Sox lost that game. It wasn't just the bullpen. It just wasn't Ruiz. Hoyer's been real good since he gave up a homer in the Anaheim series early, did strike out the side yesterday, then stuck around. It's a, Offensively, they need to come up with, with big hits and big moments. It's what everybody needs to do. The... Um, Yesterday, I think they were two for 12 with runners in scoring position. Too many opportunities uncashed. Yohan Moncada's blast, by the way, in the second inning with the bases loaded, that went to the triangle. That's 407 feet. It's a flyout at Fenway. Just about everywhere else, that's a grand slam. Did you see the expected batting average on that? It's 950. 950. Yeah, that's out of 1,000 people. That means it's uh, 50 points. Uh, that somebody might have made a catch, and they did. Because there's not many spots in MLB. And, you know, I love Fenway so much. You saw Adam Eaton's catch there in right field up against, I think the the wall is four and a half feet right there. It vacillates between three feet and five feet and a couple spots in between there in right field. The shortest wall in all of baseball. In left field is the tallest wall in all of baseball. Down the left field line, I think it's 315 down the left field line to the monster. It's short, but it's high. And they built it that way because there was a street behind there. All these other ballparks that have like the fun, wacky wall gimmicks and different cutouts. Fenway's the OG remaining because they built it that way because they had to. 
All right, we need to fit it into this block. What should we do? We can't go further. All right, just make it real high. How's that work? And they did. Down the right field line to Pesky's pole there. Watch this today if you're watching the games. It's 302 down the right field line. Fun fact, that's not where the foul pole is. The foul pole is a good like 15 to 20 feet beyond that. It's crazy. I know. But you can hook the ball around the pole there, and they used to call it Pesky's pole for Johnny Pesky because he used to hit home runs where he would curl them around the foul pole there. So it's 302 down there. And then to straightaway center is uh, not as deep as right center there in the triangle. That's where triples happen time and time again. I love watching that ballpark on TV or in person. I wonder if by now I have passed the number of games that I saw at Fenway. With It would be Wrigley at this point. But I, I went to school in Boston, and I think I went to 20 to 25 games every year that I was there. You're not going to be able to do that math. <laughs> it's only four years in school. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. So like 100. There yeah, you go. like 100. 100 games. I've probably passed it, especially if you count media stuff uh, at Wrigley. But Fenway, and it, it, here's, here's what it used to be. Here's the glory of what it used to be. Seventh inning, bottom of the seventh, after the bottom of the seventh, so top eight, they would open the gates to let people out. And that's when they would also let people in. So I would go and I would, you know, be hanging around at the dorm and then just walk over there and catch the last two innings, hope for extras and see if I got myself a long night. Did that a lot. Can't do that anymore. I tried to do that a couple years ago, went over there and the security guards, ha, 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 yeah, 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 you can't do that anymore. Like, All right, okay, good talk. Split doubleheader. We don't know whether Jonathan Stever is going to start the second game. Tony La Russa said it depends on how the bullpen goes for the first game. I find myself hoping that Michael Kopech doesn't get in the first game and then gets to start the second one. And I think that would be really cool. And maybe we get Garrett Crochet right after that, so we get ambidextrous gravy. Tonight at, uh, what time is pregame here on 670 The Score? 5.30. 5.30 tonight. Zach Zaidman has your pregame. We'll lead you up to Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer. Hear every Cubs game right here on The Score. First pitch, 6.08. 6.08 is your first pitch. Next week, the 25th of April, I will not be doing hit and run. Chris Ronji will be doing hit and run because next week... I get to do pregame and postgame for the Chicago Cubs. Very excited about that. Zach Zaidman gets to do play-by-play for the Chicago Cubs because Pat Hughes will be doing play-by-play for the Cubs on marquee because John Boog Shambi will be doing the Sunday night game on ESPN Radio. So I get to do pre and post, and I get to do the fifth inning. Next week, my first ever inning of regular season Major League Baseball play-by-play. Color me excited! Let's go! I'll be practicing all week. Um, thank you to our guest today. He's Jeff- going to be dead. Oh, yeah. I'm going to kill base runners left and right, baby. Um, Joe Neeson, thank you for joining us. Casey Stern from MLB Radio, thank you for joining us. And Ellis Burks, excellent White Sox and Red Sox outfielder. Sean Anderson, great job, buddy, as always. Thank you so much. Rami Makhlouf is in, and he is next right here on The Score. So keep it with Rami all afternoon, and have a great day, everybody.
great to have you always in the Cubs booth. And today, great job. We had a lot of fun working. Thanks, Coom. I, I had an absolute blast. Uh, just an honor to be here. And Pat Hughes will be back with you this Friday. It's quite a broadcast week on the score uh, as Scorehouse is happening. That means oh yeah, a couple of a couple of radio <laughs> shows here and a bunch of men all living together in a big house uh, all Wee. week long. <laughs> TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device, credit, service, ported, 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.